Welcome to the Persuasion Lab podcast. I'm Martin Medeiros, expert negotiator. Unfortunately, the world isn't made to your specifications in all ways at all times, which means you need to be able to communicate your wants and needs so you can get them met. I'm here to teach you the tools and strategies so that you can do exactly that. Stay tuned after the episode for more information about the fully outfitted digital persuasion lab or head over to thepersuasionlab.com to get started. Welcome to Negotiating College. In this series, we'll cover how you can make the most out of your college experience. In episode one, we're going to cover this concept I call inalienable asset. And this recording and presentation is made by the author... That's Martin Medeiros, me. You can get the book, Negotiating College, on Amazon. In episode one, we're going to talk about a few basic concepts. We're going to describe what I mean by this inalienable asset, what your first day of campus may look like, and what I call living the intelligent life in college and how that helps you. First, I want to open with a story, a war story about what's called the Forgotten Theater. And this is China, Burma, India in World War II. It's called the Forgotten Theater because a lot of historians and in your history class, you may have heard a lot about the European theater or the Pacific theater. And certainly movies like Band of Brothers generally deal with those two theaters. The Forgotten Theater, China, Burma, India, is where a lot of activity went on, but you don't hear about it often. I heard about it often because my uncle, who was 18, enlisted in the Army in 1941 after Pearl Harbor and later uh, left the Army at the end of the war in 1945, spending his time in this theater. So I heard stories. But the stories I heard weren't dramatic of battle. A lot of World War II vets didn't really talk about those things. What he did tell his nephew were stories such as there was a time when we followed tiger tracks in the mountains uh, and it was really neat because the paw prints were good uh, to look at and a diversion and they were huge. He would tell stories of when he was in the foothills of the Himalaya and how big the stars were and it seemed like he could touch them. He would talk about times when they ran low on uh, provisions where they cut down trees in order to get bananas, but he said the bananas were very different. They were kind of uh, finger size and full of seeds, but they sustained them long enough until supply lines regained their original efficacy. So these stories were often, and the one story that really struck me is when they were his unit was plotting a map and there was a town and they were walking into this town and it was a friendly town, uh, friendly being uh, Chinese and generally the Imperial Army of Japan was a force that was trying to uh, take over a lot of the areas in the China-Burma-India theater. And when they got to the point on the map, there was no village. They thought there was an error. Uh, there was a low fog that day. And as I walked into the village... Uh, they could smell smoke and they got closer and the fog parted and there they saw piles of ashes where buildings have been. So 
the people in this village had lost everything. When all of a sudden, from out of the forest, uh, some of the villagers came out, having retreated in the forest uh, to escape the invading army, and one of them spoke English and was able to talk to the GIs and give them information. And one of those English speakers, there may have been a couple, not quite sure, but one of them told my uncle, hey, there's one thing that I will never give up. They took everything. They burnt down my house, but I had an education in English and other things, and I will always know that, and that's how I can communicate to you. And that really impressed me. That's why I call education the inalienable asset. You can lose everything in life. Uh, certainly, you could suffer where major assets like your house get burned down. You may have a great business, and then a few years later, things change, and that business could go bankrupt. But at the end of the day, what you carry in your head, your learned and experiential education cannot be undone. And that's the power of an education. And your goal of being a college student is to get this inalienable asset to work for you, where you can live a better life. And that's what education represents. And your education may be very different. On day one of your college education, you may be stepping onto a leafy green campus with buildings around the quadrangle that are hundreds of years old, and they contain books and systems and photos and art that represents the knowledge of the ages, the knowledge of civilization for thousands of years. You also may come out of a subway, walking up the stairs and walking into a big building in an urban campus, and the things that are taught in those classrooms and the materials and the books and the laboratories all represent a culmination of thousands of years of civilization. So too, you may be able to access databases virtually and talk to your professors who are thousands of miles away from your computer all around the world at all hours, accessing databases of all the knowledge of civilization and that may be your educational experience and the point here is that education is civilization education is civilization people may think oh it's agriculture well yeah agriculture was more effective than hunting and gathering but it took knowledge about the seasons and soil conditions and cultivars, all that stuff. So education is civilization. Whether or not you want to think about what your biggest purpose is, like the Stoic philosopher Epictetus, who was born into slavery and became one of the best teachers in his era of Stoic philosophy and what it means to have a knowledgeable life. 
it may be the words of Mansa Musa, who restored astronomy, mathematics, and justice in Timbuktu, in the continent of Africa, who, by current standards, would be the richest man of all times. He would make people like Elon Musk uh, look like an also-ran. You may be Confucius, who changed a very warrior-centric view of his nation into, well, more contemplative, more knowledge-based. So all these ideas build in what the concept that education is civilization and how we can live the intelligent life. Then by intelligent life, I mean critically thinking and doing things that help you and everyone on this unique planet we call Earth. Your college existence will depend on something that I call irrational persistence. So you will have to consider the views of experts and advisors. You're going to have to do your own research and see what's correct for you and try to act out and build this future of your design because college and universities are error-prone like everyone. We all are human and we all can make errors and do with some frequency. So negotiating college is about minimizing your errors correcting them, and minimizing the errors of academia, of your professors, and persuading them in a non-offensive way to correct the errors and help you get through the errors that you make. Now, some people get to higher education by being rule followers, by studying good, by doing all that stuff, and this may be hard for you. Because what I'm asking you to do is consider the views of experts and advisors, your professors, your counselors, absolutely. But then do your own research. And then see what's correct for you. And this takes a certain amount of skill and finesse. And that's what negotiating college is all about. And that builds on my final concept today about living the intelligent life, which is about critical thinking. Critical thinking involves thinking before you act and speak. Read before you think. Charge your batteries on mapping a plan before you speak. And when you engage people, you kind of want to have a plan in mind and what your goals are. And that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how to optimize how you can study, how you can optimize the relationship with your professors, and what some of the resources are that you may or may not be aware. Certainly, I wish I had this book when I was an undergraduate, but living the intelligent life is to develop patterns of critical thinking that you're going to use throughout your history that may or may not be taught in your university. But a lot of it is assumed that you already have these skills. And that's what negotiating college is about, how to maximize 
this inalienable asset we call your education. On our next episode in Negotiating College, we're going to talk about how to set yourself up for success. And it's something I call equilibrating, which means uh, getting yourself back to an equal state. Even if you made a mistake as a high school student or in life and you're trying to recover. So setting yourself up for success regardless uh, whether or not you lived from a charmed life, you know, private school, trust fund, or if you got every penny and every hour of education that was fought for being in, maybe not the best home life, maybe not the best schools, but you found something. And a lot of people are doing this online where we have Khan Academy where you can get a very robust education uh, with little more than access to a computer. And we'll cover some of these things in episode one. Thanks for joining me in Negotiating College. We'll talk to you next time in episode two.